You're listening to Guinea Pig and Green. I'm Laura. And I'm Stephanie, and we like talking about health, wellness, and eco-friendliness in a fun and approachable way. Today on the podcast, we are talking about our strategies for tackling our goals and new habits for the new year. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Getting Pig and Green. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, Laura. How are you? Happy New Year. Good. Happy New Year. I really wish that I had the chance to see you again before you went back to keto. Me too. Um, But it was so good to see you while we were in Toronto and for you to meet my boyfriend. The podcast boyfriends finally met. It was very exciting. Nothing exploded. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, no. Even though it was intense. Um, We had an amazing holiday season. I think both Laura and I had a really wonderful time being home with our families. And I think for me, it was especially sweet because I had missed the Christmas prior um, having been in Korea. So I was especially grateful this year and had an amazing time. And yeah, I'm just feeling really, really happy. 2016 so far has been incredible hasn't it been good I mean four days in but it's been so good yeah but this is always how it starts out because the first few days <laughs> of the new year are always you're still on break so you're like yeah. reading books and being cozy and <laughs> oh wah, 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 wah. but but really I think it is going to be a good year and I always feel so optimistic and and hopeful and excited and I'm I'm excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about today because I think we've both been sort of steeping ourselves in ideas for how to create habits and how to improve our habits that we already have and um, achieve our goals. And so I've been like talking everybody's ear off about Gretchen Rubin's work. This Christmas, I think I made every single person in my family and every person I ran into take the quiz. Um, So I'm really excited to share with our listeners and then also to talk about some of the intention to action stuff that you have been studying because I'm really excited to learn more about that. Yeah, I find the Gretchen Rubin stuff really interesting even though I actually haven't read Better Than Before yet, her book uh, on the four tendencies and the habit stuff that we'll be talking about today. Um, I've taken the quiz and I've listened to some of her (laughs) podcasts and of course I've had a few discussions with you about it. I've also made my whole family take the quiz Um, and actually we all kind of have a really similar tendency which is pretty interesting I don't know if that's normal I don't know either I I'm just starting to learn about it and I mean she just came up with this framework um I think like last year um through her research so still pretty new um actually funny story for our listeners the four of us meaning you and I and our podcast boyfriends all took the quiz together in your apartment um, while eating cashew cheese and making a horribly, horribly ugly gingerbread house, which was still very endearing. <laughs> so <laughs> we all took it together and it was really fun, um, kind of dorky, but really fun, and then had a really awesome conversation about it. So mm-hmm. it's fascinating. And everyone I've talked to about it has responded really, really well because I think it tends to really resonate with people um, more than some of the other personality tests and things that I've I've learned about in the past. Well, I think that the important I think that the important thing with Gretchen Rubin's findings is she categorizes people into um, we all have these dominant 
tendencies. And I think that without that framework, it's really easy to be judgmental of other people if you don't Mm -hmm. see them following through on habits that would be really easy for you to keep. And so, and I, I think we're all guilty of it. I know that I'm guilty of it, seeing people and being like, why can't you just show up to work on time? It's really easy for me to do. Um, And it's really easy to be judgmental in that way. Totally. So when you start to think about how, like, we're all just wired differently and that different people respond to different different, um, expectations, then it's way easier to understand each other and to have more patience for each other while we're all looking to form new habits or meet expectations or maybe even not looking to meet expectations because it's of no interest to us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, she mentioned that on her podcast at one point, like as we're going into the holidays, maybe it would be helpful for you to think about how your family members might differ from you and that may have that may cause you to have more compassion for them so why don't we just jump in and talk about what the four tendencies are and then we can talk about what our our tendencies are because i think on one of our prior episodes we had identified you as an upholder but now we know the truth Mm -hmm. about laura (laughs) so the four tendencies are upholder obliger questioner and rebel upholders find it very, very easy to meet both outer and inner expectations. So an outer expectation is something like showing up to work on time, like Laura mentioned, or an inner expectation is like journaling every day. Um, So upholders can do either one of those. Um, They're rare, so upholders and rebels are are the smaller of the categories, Um, but they do exist. My mom is one. (laughs) Shout out mom, (laughs) my sister is one. Um, Okay, and then we have obliger which means that you are able to respond to outer expectations with almost zero fuss at all. So it's very easy for you to show up to work on time. But with internal expectations, um, like drinking more water or something where you're not accountable to anybody else, you probably find it very difficult to implement those things. Questioners are, um, they make everything into an internal expectation. So they're only gonna do something if they think that there's a really good reason to do it, if it makes sense to them. So the reason could be as simple as, I don't want to get fired, so it's going to be really easy for me to show up to work on time. But um, (laughs) if they don't think that it's a good reason, then they're not going to do it. And then rebels, they find it very difficult to respond to either internal or external obligations. So if someone asks them to do something, they're going to resist. And if they want to start journaling more, they'll also resist that habit, which Seems baffling to me, but um, (laughs) they do exist. They're out there, and it's interesting. So, yeah. Um, Is this where we reveal what we are? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, let's go for it. So, Laura, what are you? I'm 100% an obliger. And I think that in the beginning, like when you first introduced the framework to me, I was like, I don't want to be an obliger. I want to be an upholder because that sounds the best, where it's like, yeah, I think that there are things that I've set my mind to that I've accomplished and I should get credit for that. Um, But once I started reading more and listening more to what Gretchen Rubin has to say about obligers, I realized that it's definitely me to a T, where it's really easy to meet external expectations like coming to work on time or meeting up with a friend for something. I will make sure to be there on time. Um, If I have to meet up with a friend for a yoga class or a gym class or something, I will 100% be there. Mm -hmm. versus 
it's much more difficult for me to motivate myself to show up in that same way. Like I can set the expectation for myself, like I'm going to go to the gym every Tuesday and put it in my calendar and then it won't happen. Um, so that's, yeah, obliger me through, through <laughs> <laughs> I thought one really interesting example, cause we talked about this after you had figured out what your tendency was. And one interesting example of a, the same habit that can go both ways depending on accountability because you rely on accountability to create a habit. And first of all, I want to say that there's also nothing wrong with that. Gretchen Rubin really emphasizes that it's a lot easier to work with what you have than to try and be something different. And that's a really common thing for obligers is to want to be upholders because they resent the fact that they can't do things for themselves as easily but that it's more important to just, okay, how can I build in accountability to make myself do this? But you were talking about how when you did your yoga teacher training, it was expected of you to do certain readings and journal every day and meditate every day. Yeah. Those are like personal habits, right? Those are things you're doing by yourself that no one's sitting there watching you do them. So they're things that obligers typically have problems doing. Um, but when it was expected of you, <laughs> you had no problem doing it, right? And, it, and there wasn't even necessarily a check-in. It right. was just knowing that we were expected to be doing these things. And I was like, no problem. I can get up and meditate and journal every day. Um, and right. so now, I'm not sure if you were there or not when I set this rule. But I've set the rule for myself is I've tied my meditation practice to an external expectation, which is that my boyfriend and I cannot watch TV together on a day that I have not meditated first. So I was there, but that yeah. was at brunch. So I know now that just because I don't want him to be impacted anyway, it's much easier for me to meet that expectation. Right. Yeah, and I, I love that. And I think that's such a perfect example of, if for some people, other tendencies, it could come back to that judgment that you were talking about. Like, really? Do you really have to bring your boyfriend into this? Why can't you just do it? It's not that hard. But I love that you're just accepting that this is your nature and finding a way to make it work for you. Because I mean, it's just like an easy way to implement something you really want to implement. So I love that. Yeah. I think another really good example of that was um, a couple of years ago when I was really big into running, mm -hmm. um, being able to post how far I ran. Like, mm. and at the time I had like a, a kind of a love-hate relationship with that. Like part of me was just like, you shouldn't feel the need to post that you ran this far today. Um, but on the other hand, I was like, if I'm running, just let myself post because it's helping motivate me. And I think that's the thing. It's like with that, with the external eyes on something that is a personal habit, it made it really easy for me to stick to my running goals. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting to me, and I love that you're finding ways to implement these things in ways that would not necessarily work for me. So that's the other thing that's interesting, um, is when you figure out what your tendency is and recognizing that everyone's different, all those articles that you read at the beginning of the new year saying, you should just get an accountability partner, like, that would never work for me. That just, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't care about those things. That doesn't motivate me. I'm a questioner. Um, which means that I'll only do something if I think it's a really good idea, which drives my boyfriend crazy. <laughs> if he asks me to do something, I always want to know why. And if I hear the why and understand the why, then I have no problem doing it. Um, 
it's really easy for me to do things that I believe in and think that are going to be productive and helpful. So I'll share one story um, that I've told everyone. So if anyone's listening to the podcast who I've seen in the last month, sorry, um, which is about how I learned to implement the habit of flossing. So I never flossed my whole life. This was something that was really hard for me to ever do. My gums hurt afterwards. I never wanted to do it, blah, blah, blah. Um, And every time I went to the dentist, I would be like embarrassed because they would say, you know, your gums are bleeding like an old lady's, like you need to floss. But since I'm not an obliger, that external, you know, feeling didn't do anything for me. And I didn't have a very good reason. But this summer I decided, okay, I wanna implement the habit of flossing because everyone says it's a really good idea. Um, And I had just read Gretchen Rubin's book. So I'm like, okay, let me implement these these things. So I took like half an hour (laughs) and I went online and I found myself like three great reasons to floss. Um, Namely, that it's better for whitening than brushing and it's better for your oral hygiene than brushing. Um, said some dentists <laughs> online. <laughs> um, and then I found out another thing for me is really important is to know that I'm doing it properly because if I feel like I'm not doing it properly, then I'm going to lose motivation. So I found some techniques that worked for me. And long story short, I haven't missed a day. Um, even when it's been really late at night and I didn't want to do it, um, I still haven't missed since I think August. So that was really exciting for me and it was sort of um, an obvious marker to me that I am a questioner and that if I leverage that tendency of mine, I can really implement things and make them easy for myself. So that was a huge breakthrough and I've been really enjoying that philosophy as I move into the new year and try and set new habits for myself. Cool. Yeah. I've heard that story. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to develop another one. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I think the four tendencies are super powerful. Um, we're going to include a link, obviously, in the show notes so that you can take the quiz and make everybody that you know take the quiz. Um, and tell us in the comment section what you yeah. got. Yeah. And if you have an example of, uh, of that tendency showing up in your habit forming. Right. Yeah, I think it's so great. Do you know what I thought was so funny? What? Is I sent that quiz to everyone in my, in, so my immediate family and mm-hmm. my dad's brother's family. Mm-hmm. And I said up front, um, my prediction is that every, the people who, now that I've asked you to take the quiz, my prediction is that the people who take it will be obligers. And they <laughs> were. <laughs> it was like five <laughs> obligers got back to me and that was it. <laughs> None of the other then, tendencies. The questioners yeah. are like, why do I have to take this quiz? It seems stupid. <laughs> Actually, my mom took the quiz, and I am convinced my mom is an upholder. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, yeah, if she sets her mind to something, like it's getting done. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also very stubborn, and I think that she may have answered some of the questions not truthfully. And she got <laughs> que- she got questioner, which I don't think fits, but everybody else got obliger. And I was like, yep, That's yes so to funny. all of you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like in my family, we have a little bit of variety. Like my sister and my mom are upholders. My other sister is an obliger. My dad's a questioner like me. It's just, I find it really fascinating. And um, and yeah, I think it's like, there's so much to discover there, especially as we are thinking about forming new habits. Um, mm-hmm. I also wanted to talk about one other distinction that she makes um, between groups of people. 
um, which we've talked about before. And I think this one is where a lot of judgment can come up as well. And this is the moderator versus abstainer um, metric. Mm -hmm. So um, this often relates to when you're trying to sort of control how much you do something. So that could be eating a certain kind of food or a certain amount. It could be drinking. It could be watching TV. It could be sort of anything that you're trying to restrict yourself in any way of consumption. So moderators, they're going to get a little panicky if you tell them that they can't have something at all. Um, they would find it a lot easier to just have a little bit of ice cream every week, you know, once a week or something, and then they'll probably just forget about it until the next week or whatever. And they find it pretty easy to do that. But if you tell them they can't have it, they're going to get really panicky and probably binge. Like, you know, even if they tell themselves. Whereas an abstainer, abstainers find it a lot easier to just say, nope, never again, or at least never again for a certain period of time, like, you know, six weeks, six months, whatever. Um, no, I'm just not going to eat French fries at all. Not even a little bit, not even once. It's just not a question. And um, yeah, so I think a lot of judgment can come in there because abstainers are like, why would you eat it just a little bit every once in a while? You're never going to quit it. And moderators are like, how could you be so rigid on this? You know, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm a moderator. I think you're an abstainer, right? I am an abstainer. Yeah. Yeah, and I've totally judged people who, like, can't quit things cold turkey. Because <laughs> to, me, to me, that's how you do it. To me, that's how you know you beat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, it, it, this informs so many things for me. I mean, like, even when we were doing our zero waste month and I feel like my moderator tendencies came into play and your abstainer tendencies plus your obliger tendencies really hit everything <laughs> home there. Um, so yeah, it's another way that people differ. And I think that it's, it's so interesting to me. I mean, my boyfriend's an abstainer and like before Christmas, he was watching this cooking show, which will remain unnamed. Um, and he was just like binging on it all the time. He would watch so many episodes and he said to me at one point, he's like, I can't wait for this show to be over so that I never have to watch it again. And I was like, why don't you just watch one episode a week or like one every two days? And I know TV can be different for people than maybe food would be, but still, that's still my philosophy. It's like, I can just watch that show like, you know, one episode every couple of days. Um, I don't need to watch it all in one fell swoop. <sighs> but he was, he's like the opposite. So it's just, it's another interesting framework and I think this could also inform how people approach habits mm -hmm. no nope. I watched uh I finished so I started before we went up north for the break and then we got back yesterday and watched five or more episodes of making a murder until it was done <laughs> like it was like we had to run out of it otherwise we would have like it driven ourselves crazy yeah. um, having to having to wait for more we had to run out of it I'm totally an abstainer yeah and I think mm -hmm. it could be really useful for people I mean if their goal is to you know use less technology for instance you could set a rule like I will not use technology after 6 p.m. and I think abstainers would find it a lot easier to do that than for a moderator who would be like I can't use it after 6 p.m. at all like what if I need to check my email what if I want to talk to my mom um, and so it would be easier for them to say, like, okay, I, I can only check it, like, 
I can only pick up my iPad two times before I go to bed. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think something like that could be interesting as well if people are trying to create new habits. Totally. For the new year. Um, and let's not be so judgmental I of each know. other. It's so true. It's so true. It can, <laughs> and it can be hard. I know, like, you know, you mentioned with when you found out you are a obliger, you wanted to be an upholder. I think sometimes abstainer seems more pure and moderators might feel this pressure of like I have to do it perfectly and if I don't do it perfectly then I shouldn't do it or I'm doing it wrong um yeah and so I think sometimes moderators can want to be abstainers as well um so I think it's important not to be judgmental of each other and also not to be judgmental of ourselves we are what we are (laughs) we just are yeah so I think I think that Gretchen Rubin's main idea is that when we have a better understanding for ourselves that it's so much easier to meet our goals and our habits and yeah it's just it's don't attach good or bad to whatever your nature is just work with what you have and find creative ways to play to what drives you yeah to accomplish what you want to accomplish just Mm -hmm. use the natural tendencies yeah um, in her book, she also talks about strategies for habit change, um, and there's a lot of them, and we're not going to go into all of them, and some of them work better for different tendencies, but I just wanted to briefly mention a couple that I think are really interesting um, as we go into the new year. So one of them is the strategy of convenience, and tied in with that is the strategy of inconvenience. So she talks about how hilarious it is that we are so influenced by how convenient something is. Um, and like to the point where this guy in her book, he was not never playing the guitar. He wanted to practice guitar, but he was never playing guitar because he kept his guitar in his closet. And he would always have to go over to his closet and take it out of its bag and bring it out to the living room, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay, strategy of convenience. How can I make this more convenient? He got a stand for like 10 bucks and put it in his living room and now he practices every day. So I think for me, this is a big one. If I want to do something, eat healthier, I need to buy the things <laughs> that I'm going to eat that are going to be healthier. Otherwise, it's going to be way more convenient to just go out for dinner. Um, so this one's big for me. And the strategy of inconvenience is sort of the opposite. So making things harder for yourself. So if you want to cut back on your spending, for instance, when you go to the grocery store, don't pick up a basket or a cart if you're just going in for one thing. Obviously, if you're going grocery shopping, you need to take a cart. But if you're just going in because you need batteries, mm. just yeah. go in and get the batteries. And then the more things you're carrying around in your arms, the more inconvenient it's going to be. So you're totally you're probably going to like be that. motivated to just <laughs> go and check out. So that kind of thing. And I think there's a lot of ways that we can play with that. Um, but I find it so funny, but so true. It's like... For me, it's so convenient to pay by card. If I have to pay by cash, I'm like, ugh, where am I going to put the change? It's so annoying. Like, all those things. Mm-hmm. So No, I've been paying by cash a lot lately, and it was my own fault. I cut my credit card by accident, um, <laughs> oh, no. which is, like, a long story, and most people are like, how do you accidentally cut your credit card? But I did. <laughs> um, so I was paying by cash a lot, and I was spending a lot less. Mm-hmm. Way fewer impulse buys. And I don't even spend that much to begin with. Um, but I think it was, yeah, it's that idea of, like, seeing seeing your cash amount go down. Ugh, it's I like, know. It's 
Yeah. And that ties into the second strategy I wanted to mention, which is the strategy of monitoring, which is also a huge one for me. In my flossing story, I didn't mention that I was using um, one of Elise Baja Kripe's daily goal trackers to monitor my flossing. I can't even tell you how much I get off on giving myself a little like check mark every day. <laughs> like I just love it. So um, that one's huge for me. And I think that's monitoring your cash dwindling in your wallet. You can very visibly see how much you're spending. And mm-hmm. um, if you're monitoring a habit using like a goal tracker or just, you know, giving yourself a check mark or putting an X on the calendar, um, to really visibly see how much you've done and how much you've missed can be like so motivating for me that's one of my highest ones i have all of those goal trackers printed out and every day i just get such a rush from like checking them off um which you know some people are gonna say is a little bit dorky but guess what it works for me and i'm implementing a lot of things that i'm really happy about so um that's the whole idea yeah i'm like I, I really like monitoring as well, and I've been considering buying her goal tracker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, like, I'm pretty stingy with where I spend money. Um, <laughs> and so I usually don't do these, like, purchases of tiny things. Like, I, I don't know how much her goal tracker costs. A few dollars? Yeah, four dollars. Yeah, like four dollars. So I would never spend that. Which, But <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> but now I think when I think about how that could help me create uh, more for my life just by spending that four dollars and having something that I can track that looks nice and I've invested in keeping track of it in a tangible way even though it's just four dollars I think that that helps me a lot Um, Mm. and then like this doesn't necessarily tie in perfectly but I do I do want to help support um, creators like her a little bit more yeah I love that Okay, the next one that I'm going to mention, the last one that I'm going to mention is like, I think for you, the biggest strategy for habit change, which is accountability. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Which does almost nothing for me, unfortunately. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't motivate me. Like sometimes I'll be like a little sheepish if I was supposed to be accountable to someone and I wasn't or whatever. I might be a little sheepish, but it's not going to be enough to actually change anything really (laughs) but for you it's big so I think that that's so great that we you know we're different and we have different things that will motivate us so I think the first time that I ever accidentally missed one of our podcasting times because we do (laughs) we do everything remotely and so we set a time I think the first time I ever missed one of our podcasting times it was probably like four or five months before I let myself just think that Steph had forgiven me like I, <laughs> I never knew uh, that <laughs> oh my gosh it was like every interaction I was like I need to show her that I am making up for this that's so funny <laughs> read all these things I read oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's funny but like accountability. but I think accountability can can be an incredibly powerful tool and there's nothing wrong with it you know at all there's like there's absolutely nothing wrong with it um if you want (laughs) you know a gym buddy and that's gonna make you go to the gym great get a gym buddy Mm -hmm. you know you'll exercise more and everybody's gonna be happy so um I just love that one and I think building it in where it's gonna be effective can be really good yeah and then for accountability I just want to add that Gretchen Rubin and her sister also talk about 
Um, there are people who will be ineffective if you choose to be accountable externally to them. Um, <laughs> so they usually say, like, a spouse is really difficult to be externally accountable to. And then I'm sure, like, we've all experienced, like, with our parents, for example. <laughs> you know when you get really moody with your family members and it's because you're just so close to them with the point, like, to the point where it's not even as if you have that external accountability to them or... Like, right. there are some people that we're just way too comfortable with that they'll never work as... Right, they're not going to hold you to something. Like, yeah, They'll exactly. be like, oh, that's that's cute that you're doing that thing. Like, <laughs> you know, or, or supportive or whatever, but they're probably yeah, not like, going to understand fully what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, so even though um, this intention to action thing that I'm going to talk about in a second, even though it was an exercise that I did with Mike, I decided to be externally accountable to you because I think that there's a way bigger chance that if I, I put it in our calendar, we have a joint guinea pig and green calendar. And so I just know that if we have a specific time that we have to talk about my progress on these action items, that that's going to happen way more likely than if um, somebody I'm living with <laughs> has to keep me accountable to that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, why don't you talk about this intention to action thing? Because I am really excited to learn more about it. And I feel like I'm already maybe doing some of it because of mm -hmm. the way I've been setting. Um, I'm deciding to set monthly goals this year as well, um, which is always really effective for me. Um, and, and trying to tie my intentions into them, but maybe not as much as I could be. So I'd love to hear more. Sure. Um, so Intention to Action is a program that's actually really popular at Power Yoga Canada, which is the studio uh, that, I mean, a franchise of studios, one of which I teach at. Um, and they have them almost every year on New Year's Day at many of the studios, and I highly recommend going. I think it's so powerful saying your intentions in front of other people, hence mm -hmm. why we're doing this and our, <laughs> our last episode on intentions. Um there's that that's so powerful but even just taking the time to think about what your intentions are and then taking and then taking that a step further and figuring out exactly what action items you can do that you can actually cross off a list mm -hmm. um that will help get you towards that intention um it just makes your intention so much more tangible so it's something i haven't done since i did it during my teacher training and um, unfortunately, since I was up north over the break, I had to miss Intention to Action uh, at our studio, but managed to get my hands on a copy and I did it just with Mike. And um, essentially how it goes is there are many pages where you go on writing about um, what, where you're feeling stuck, how you see your future looking, and then your intentions for yourself, for your home, and for the world. And from each of those, it pairs down to, well, what are the actions that you can take to start working towards those intentions? Mm -hmm. And then finally, at the end, you whittle it down to three action items. And then there's a line that says, who will you follow up with? <laughs> and another line that says, by what date? Um, so I wrote, I'm following up with you, and by <laughs> January 31st. And so when I was first telling you, Steph, that I did this, you were like, but you already sent your intentions for the year. And... No, no, I had said that initially in the podcast you had set intentions, but you had not oh, set goals. Oh, but I had goals. no goals. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. But now it's like you're taking the intentions that you had set and transforming them into goals, which I think is so powerful. I love that. Yeah, and I hadn't even really thought to do that. I was like, oh, this will this will be a neat activity together for New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad that we did that. But So my three intentions for 2016 are to be intentional, be essential, and nurture creativity. And what ended up coming out from my three actions that are due to you by January 31st <laughs> uh, is to journal every day on where I'm going. So I want to get more clear, in other words, to be more intentional right. uh, on what I'm doing and how that plays into the bigger picture of my life. Um, the second one is to declutter my apartment and the, my room at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that comes down to being essential. So having a lot less and just having things that are more meaningful. Yeah. Uh, and then my third action item is to sign up for an art class. Mm-hmm. So those are three actions that I can do and cross off the list that all play into my intentions for the year. Uh, that I'll check it back in with you on at the end of the month. Oh, so that's great. So by January 31st, the idea is that you've done the first steps on those or that you've actually completed all three? That I've done all three. So, I mean, honestly, journal every day. It's going to be something for the year, but by the end of January, I just want to make sure that I'm on track, that I've done it for the first uh, month at least of the year. Okay, and then on the thirty mm-hmm. first, do you set new action items for your intentions, or is that is it just sort of a one off kind of thing at the beginning? It really depends on the person. I don't know that I will, um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how these go. I, I just want to, by the end of the month, know that I've gotten started on the intentions that I've set for myself, um, and whether there's like a clear way for me to continue doing that or not. That will kind of I guess be up to me but yeah or reevaluate what kinds of actions you want to take I think that's so great Mm -hmm. um we both have listened to the lively show before just lively and she talks a lot about um values-based intentions so her language is a little bit different but basically it's the same idea that you have um these values and that's what's created your intentions that you have now you know be essential be intentional nurture creativity And then from there, from those, you have to find ways to embody those values and embody those intentions in your present moment, in your right now. So Mm -hmm. it's not about um, having some big accomplishment that you can check off and then you can, you know, feel those ways that you want to feel. It's like, how can you feel in that way right now? Um, And I think that that step from going from just the values or just the intentions, um, which can be helpful, I think, for sure, to have something in your mind as an intention can be very helpful. But I also think that it's a lot more helpful sometimes to transform it into something actionable. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love that you're doing that. And yeah, I'm definitely inspired. I want to try and see if I'm doing that with my goal setting, see how much more I can do of it. Um, And with my word of the year as well, I think that that could be really um, helpful as well to see like, how can I embody light in my everyday life? Like what's a goal that I can implement to Mm -hmm. you know live that more fully um so yeah that's that's really cool I love that I would love to do that process you know I'm all about those things (laughs) that's so great maybe maybe next new year's we could do it together yeah yeah that'd be awesome um yeah so I love talking about this stuff and I'm always interested always happy to learn more strategies so if you guys know of anything um, that you want to share with us or with 
our listeners, please let us know in the comments or um, by email, guineapigandgreen at gmail.com, or of course on social media at Green Guinea Pigs on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, we would just love to hear from you. We love to <laughs> get down and talk about this stuff. So Yeah, and if you respond to external expectation, just put it out there on our yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put it out there wherever and um, reap the benefits. Yeah, so check out the show notes for all of the amazing resources we mentioned in this episode. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.